ain't surprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest escapes these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's episode is brought to us by our old friends over at Four Sigmatic. They're back. My favorite mushroom coffee. I love this stuff so much, especially the lion's mane with chaga. It's so, so good. If you heard earlier this year, I actually had someone on from Four Sigmatic because I was like, hey, man, you got to come on the show because people hear mushroom coffee and they're going to be like me. They're going to be like, man, I already like coffee. I got a good coffee company going on. I don't need to try new kinds of coffee. But the problem is you think that way, you're wrong, man. Open up your mind. This stuff is really, really good. It has the same amount of caffeine that you want, except it also has so many good things in it that are just so good for your body, your mind, and these mushrooms, they're, they're the real deal. And the thing that puts it over the top, because when we drink coffee, we need that taste. And that's the thing that I love the best. The taste is absolutely Phenomenal. It's got the chaga, the king of mushrooms. It plays a huge part in your immune system, maintaining that high functioning that everybody wants at all times. And everything that they have in these coffees are just, amen, it's just good for you. What can I say? It's a health food product that also gives you the kick that you want from your coffee. That's the big thing. And that's why you really love it. So go to Four Sigmatic, that's F-O-U-R, Sigmatic.com forward slash rambling runner or just use the code rambling runner at checkout to save 15 percent today today's episode is with brandy talimony brandy someone who i have followed for so long she is awesome i love everything that she has to do with the running community she always speaks her mind she has an awesome journey and she just you just tell it's positivity is all over this woman she just loves life and it's just a positive spirit. So I think you're going to love this episode with Brandy. If you don't already do so, go check her out on social media. It's Brandy Lynn at, um, on both Instagram and on Twitter. I follow her in both places. And believe me, you're going to want to do that too. So go check her out. And here's my conversation with Brandy. Hello, Brandy, and welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on here. Man, of course. I love following you. You're so funny. Um, and it, I tell you what, you are someone who I really enjoy um, just following on social media, on a couple of different <laughs> social media sites, and, and then also reading your blog. You know, you're just insightful. You're someone who, you know, is not afraid to express how they feel in yeah. certain moments. And, and I can certainly get down with that. Uh, with that being said, how are you doing right now? I'm doing good. You know, I, I took a three hour nap today. I, I ran eight miles this morning on the trail. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to take me a n- nice long nap. And that's what we did today. <laughs> oh, man, how does that work with the kiddos? You got two two young ones, right? Yeah, two young ones. I have a four year old should be five next month. And then I have a two and a half year old. Um, usually, if I lay down, they just come up with me and they just lay down in the bed with me. So it's no biggie. <laughs> Okay, so is that is that welcomed or are any of your kids like hurricane sleepers and they just all of a sudden, you know, will wake you up as soon as they fall asleep? <laughs> well, they just kind of do their own thing. I mean, usually they just cuddle me and then they kind of kick my back and then by the end of the nap time, I'm down at the end of the bed. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, my my son is a is a cuddle bug for sure. My daughter is a tornado. Like I, she it spins around the bed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Have you ever, have you ever watched the the movie Big Daddy? 
Yeah. All right. You know, after the, after the little boy pees the bed and then Adam Sandler puts like the newspaper on the bed mm-hmm. and then he just like, is you know, kind of flopping all around and making all this noise. Like yeah. that was, that's basically how my daughter sleeps. So it's like, if my son wants to hang out and cuddle in bed, great. If my daughter is, it's like, all right, I got to go sleep on the couch because she's just going <laughs> to. That's how my husband my is. He's like, this- you know what? I'm going to sleep on the couch because the kids, they're just too much. And I'm like, okay, go ahead. so what are you training for now because i think that's kind of like the the order of the day right now everyone's kind of figuring out where running fits in not only with their daily schedule but with their races what was i guess i shouldn't say what are you training for now let's start with at the beginning of 2020 because i know you (laughs) actually had a post on like all right here's what happened 2019 here are my goals for 2020 what did you envision for how you wanted your your running year to be Oh, man. So I had so many goals at the beginning of 2020. I was like, I'm going to do this, this and this. So originally, I was going to run a half in May, the Chicago spring half, which obviously got canceled. And from there, I was going to be training for the Marine Corps Marathon. And they were like, Oh, well, you have to hold a 12 minute pace. And I cannot hold a 12 minute pace for a marathon. I'm just not at that level yet. So I was like, Okay, well, I guess I'll just do something virtually because I still want to do that distance this year because we are moving next year. I don't know where yet, but, you know, I know that when we move, my distance kind of like takes a big dip. So I decided that I was going to train for a 50K virtually. It sounds like a good idea in my head, but I know it's going to be terrible, but it's going to be fun at the same time. (laughs) So when you, all right, first of all, what, what's your ultra background? I have never done one. So this would be my first. Oh. I, yeah. I mean, the closest thing that I've done to an ultra was the Yeti ultra challenge, the 24 hour one where you ran like four or five miles every four hours. That was terrible because I did it on the treadmill and pushing my kids. So it was like a mixture of both, but that was the only thing I did. And so I was like, you know what? It, I want to do it. Like, why not? What's a few more miles in a marathon? <laughs> so how far did you go in the Yeti? In the Yeti, I ended up running uh, 31 miles because I did 5.1 every four hours. So that's definitely an ultra. I know yeah. it's like it's broken up, but, you know, definitely I mean, that's- it definitely counts. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. So what was what was kind of a bigger pain in the butt? Running on the are you like a treadmill runner? Like you can you get down with that or was pushing the kids more of a pain in the butt? I think by the time I was pushing the kids, because I started at six AM, so my kids were still asleep. So I did my first two legs on the treadmill and then my third leg, I did it with the both kids, and they're not light. They're both about forty pounds each. So that I was worn out by that time. And then by the time I got to the fourth leg, I did it outside as well. And I was just, I was done. I don't mind the treadmill. I like it. It's got its benefits, but it did definitely get boring. <laughs> so for that race, were you able to start at any time you wanted or was everyone, did everyone start at 6 a.m. within their time zone? It was kind of like a virtual thing. You just did it whenever you wanted to do it. And it was just make sure you do this every four hours. All right. So let's talk about why you chose to start at six. I feel like that would be like one of the biggest <laughs> choices that you have to make in this in the, in this sucker. So I started at six because I was like, okay, 
what time would I end? And I think my last leg was at 2 a.m. So I was like, that would be perfect to end because I knew it was going to take me about an hour for the last leg. So I was like, okay, if I ended at 2 a.m., that means I can sleep in a little bit the next day. And that's ended up being what happened. So I, um, I was like, okay, I'm going to start at 6. I still will be able to, you know, be up with the kids and stuff like that. And I think I had a leg around like 10 p.m. That one was I was really tired at that one. I think as soon as I got off the treadmill, I just fell asleep on the couch. I didn't even shower or anything. I just fell asleep. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the motivation at for, for the 2 a.m. treadmill <laughs> run. Right. Like so you're you're passed out on the couch. Right. Like, you know, blissfully sleeping. What was like, all right, so first of all, what was like the logistics about making sure that you got up in time to do this? And what did you have to do both physically and mentally, shoot, even emotionally to get yourself ready to do that one hour (laughs) treadmill run that capped off an ultra marathon 24 hours? So I had a lot of friends that knew that I was doing it. I was like, hey, if I don't text you at this time, message me, call me, FaceTime me. And I remember waking up and I was like, as soon as this is done, I can have a beer and I can just go to sleep. Like, that's all I got to do. And I just kept looking at my treadmill from the couch and I was like, okay, I got this. So I got on there and I think because my leg that was at 10 p.m., it was so slow. It was just like, it was a struggle bus. And then I was like, okay, I just, if I push through, I can have a beer and that's it. And that was my motivation. Just beer at the end. How was your body at that point? Like, did you have any, like, did you have any injuries that were manifesting themselves or was it just lethargy? It was just lethargy and my legs were starting to get really sore because, you know, you're, you're running every four hours and depending on how fast or how slow you are, that's depending on how long your break's going to be. So I was trying to make sure like in between each leg, I was stretching out and, (laughs) Even with stretching out and trying to take ice baths and Epsom salt baths in between each leg, I I was still sore. So by that point, I was just like, oh, let's get it done. But I actually felt pretty good. I think two days later, I ran 10 miles like it was nothing. Whoa. <laughs> My goodness. All right. And so, I mean, shoot, like considering like the pace that you told us that you run, that's almost like a two hour, a two hour run. Like two days after doing this ultra, were you, I mean, did you think that you had that in you to kind of bounce back that quickly from this kind of race? It seems like this race was kind of a unique challenge for you. No, I really didn't. And then I think that week I ended up running like my highest mileage week ever. I think I did like 50 miles that week. And I was like, oh, wow, that's a lot of miles. Like I've never, I, the most I've been was 40 miles. So Whenever I bounced back and I took it easy and I felt great. And that ended up being my highest monthly um, average for miles. I ended up having 150 miles that month as well. My goodness. All right. So <laughs> so you, you're someone who, again, you you were in the military. You were U.S. Marine Corps. What what at that point in your life, right, when you were younger, the younger Brandy, what drew you to the Marine Corps and enlisting? <laughs> Wow. Um, so I am from a small town, um, a very, very small town. I mean, everybody knows each other. 
And I always knew I just wanted to get away from there, but I didn't want to go to college. And I feel like that was your only options was join the military or go to college. And I was like, I don't want to go to college. Like, I'm not ready for that. So I ended up um, going to different recruiters and talking to them. And I joined the Marine Corps. And yeah, it was it was interesting. <laughs> like I my recruiter because my recruiter kept trying to get me in for a year. He kept bugging me. He's like, come on, you know, you want to do it. I was like, no, I don't want to. And in my senior year of high school, I was like, okay, you know what? I'll do it. (laughs) So what about the military was more attractive to you than going to college at that point in your life? Um, I think it was just mainly um, because whenever you talk to a Marine Corps recruiter, they have little dog tags. And one of the little dog tags was travel and adventure. I was like, oh, I would love to do that. (laughs) And I actually, this is so funny, but whenever I got my first um, set of orders to what base I was going to go to, they told me I was going to go to Okinawa, Japan. I really cried. (laughs) And my recruiter was like, don't you remember you chose travel and adventure? I was like, I know, but uh," I was always emotional. (laughs) And now you're married to a recruiter. So there you go. Yeah. So, so let's, let's talk about, you know, whenever someone joins the military, I think, especially within the endurance world, the first thought is like, all right, tell me about basic training. So how did you <laughs> prepare yourself for that? Like, just, I guess, what was your athletic background in high school and how, what did you do to prepare yourself mentally and physically for the grueling nature of that aspect of your life? Okay. So in high school, This is so funny, but I was a band nerd. I was a band geek, so I never had any interest in running at all. And that was about the time that cross country was happening. So I couldn't do a sport and marching band. And my sophomore year of high school, um, they, it was like the springtime. So that's about when track was happening. And I was like, I texted my mom. I was like, Hey mom, can I join the track team? And she was like, I mean, if you want to, you don't run. I was like, okay, thanks for the support. <laughs> and so, um, I ended up joining the track team. I wasn't fast. Um, they ended up putting me in the field. So I, I really had no like desire to run over a certain amount. And so when I enlisted, um, they actually host weekly, um, PT sessions, physical training sessions, and we would run like a mile and a half, do our crunches and stuff like that. And that was like to help you prepare for boot camp. And then I ended up going and it was a lot of yelling. (laughs) And they, if you really think about it, they like condition you in boot camp because you get IT'd where you basically, you did something wrong. So they're going to make you do like some burpees or pushups or something like that. So I came out of boot camp just really strong. And when you're in the military, you have to run three miles for their physical fitness test. And I can't remember the time limit. I think it was like 30 or 31 minutes you have to run three miles in. And out of boot camp, I was able to do it in 26 minutes, which was my fastest three mile I was like, okay, I feel great. And yeah, so (laughs) I kind of just, I'm one of those people, I'm just like, okay, let's just get it done. Like, screw everything else, just get it done, no matter how long it takes us. And I think that's kind of 
what helped me, like, especially in track, like, I wasn't good. Like, I wasn't good at running. (laughs) I won't lie about it. But I, my coach in high school, he's like, I wish I would have put you in like the longer distance people. He is like, because you're just one of those people, you hold a pace and you just go. (laughs) So I wish I did that. And when you think about the, um, I guess the pain associated with different races, right? You have like the ultras and the marathons and the kind of pain that can crop up for a runner versus the the red the kind of the red zone, redlining feel of doing say a 5K or even like a mile race or something like that. Do you feel like you could just deal with that kind of longer base discomfort better than you could kind of the shorter base stuff? Yeah, I I do not like short distances at all. Like when I have to do like... um quarter mile repeats I hate it (laughs) but you tell me to do like mile repeats or something like that like I'll do it and I know like I'm not like crazy fast or anything like that but it's easier for me to hold a longer a distance like a long distance for longer gosh I hope that came out right no absolutely and once you went through PT and you were kind of fitter than you'd ever been at that point did it just did it just become a way of life for you at that point Basically, um, but I really didn't deep, I didn't really deep dive into longer distance running until after I got out. So, uh, you know, all throughout my enlistment, I think the most I did was four miles. And because we were PTing ourselves in the ground. I mean, I wasn't stretching. (laughs) We were running like three, four miles every single day. And then at night, I was going out on the track and I was doing little sprints to try to like help my run time and stuff like that. So I was really running myself into the ground. So I didn't really do distance anything until after I got out and I had my daughter. So that recovery piece of, you know, of trying to you know loosen up and not be as tight. I know that you're, you're a yoga person now. When did that get incorporated into your running? That I would say got incorporated last year when I was training for, um, my marathon. And did you notice a difference or how how quickly did it become something that you wanted to kind of, you know, it went from, Hey, I'll try this out to like, Hey, this has to be a staple of what I'm doing. It, I like, I just felt looser and I felt like my body. Cause when I was in the Marine Corps, I was always like, like I said, we were always running ourselves into the ground. So I felt like my knees were always giving me troubles when I was in the Marine Corps, as well as my hips. So when I started doing yoga last year, I was like, okay, I need to get to the finish line the best way possible without injury. So I started adding yoga in and my hips felt good. My knees felt good. I was like, oh, you're not supposed to hurt when you run. (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) (laughs) So were you going to like a yoga class or were you just picking it up at home, like, you know, popping YouTube on or whatever? I use the Peloton app. I don't have an actual bike. I just have like a little cheapo bike and I connect it to my Apple TV and I just use the Peloton classes and I follow that yoga. And now, I actually really like, like um Because I was thinking like, all right, like for, again, I've never done yoga, but I've kind of been drawn to the idea of doing it because I know that I'm pretty tight. And the problem is that like, I wonder if, if I'm just starting out by myself in my house, like, am I even going to be doing this correctly? Like, is it even worth the time? Like, I again, it's probably just me procrastinating on it, but those are usually the thoughts that go through my head when I'm thinking about picking up something new that is so form-based that I'm going to have to kind of figure out on my own. Definitely. So with the app that I use, the Peloton app, um, they have 
they have different levels. So I was always, I, I still use um, the beginner flow just because some of the intermediate stuff, I'm like, eh, I'm not that ready yet. But I like the beginner stuff. And she really taught, and all the instructors, they really talk about where you should be feeling it, how to adjust your body, and you can watch on the screen, like how they look and stuff like that. And they always give you like, if you can't get this low, do it this way. And they try to help you out. So I was like, okay, this helps me. Because <laughs> at first I was like, oh no, I can't get that deep. But they were like, okay, use the blocks and this will help you still get that stretch. I'm like, okay, that helps. <laughs> and what parts of your body specifically do you feel like it helped the most? It really helped my hips. And I think it really just helped like keeping my back very loose because I, I hunch over a lot when I run too. So I was trying to like make sure my back wasn't like too tight, if that makes sense. So I feel like those are areas it really helped out. Got it. And my, po- it. my posture is a lot better too, I will say. Well, here's the thing, the, the other part for me with the yoga stuff, and this is something you can relate to, right? You have a busy life, right? Yeah. You, got, yeah. you have two young kids running around. You're like, you're literally running around. You're putting in serious miles and there's all the other things to just go on, you know, with just, you know, having a house and raising kids and all this stuff, like ha- setting, setting aside time to not only do the running, but to do these supplementary and complementary things. How are you able to manage this process? I think having a schedule is the most important thing. Um, So for me, I wake up at 4.30 on my run days and I'll get my run in. And usually by the time I get home and get showered and stuff like that, my kids wake up. I make sure like we do our little workbook activities, you know, try to keep their minds thinking and everything. And Usually I'll be like, okay, mommy's going to go do yoga. And my four-year-old will be like, okay, mommy, go ahead. And I'll do my yoga. Sometimes they come in the room, they join me. Other days they just, they're in their room playing with their toys. And yeah, so I think having a schedule, just like kind of going with the flow, seeing like, okay, when can I sneak in this opportunity to do this for me? Um, That helps. And sometimes my kids will be napping and I'll get on the spin bike real quick and I'll do a quick little 20-minute class and call it a day. All right. Let's talk about these 4.30 a.m. runs. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when did that become something uh, – when did that become a staple of your schedule? So um, I think I started doing that when I started officially training. Usually I was doing, I was waking up at maybe like, whenever I would wake up naturally, it would be like 6 a.m. So I was like, my husband leaves the house around seven. And I was like, okay, I have to get outside because I don't want to run on the treadmill. And I don't always want to push my kids in the shoulder. Love them, but they're heavy. (laughs) So I was, I had to figure out like what was going to give me enough time to be able to get my distance in. And of course, get my pictures because my pictures are important. And um, it ended up just working out that 4.30 was good for me. I was able to get up, get dressed because I lay everything out the night before. And I was able to just get out the door, get it done, come back, have time to eat, shower and, you know, focus on me for a few minutes before my kids got up. Yeah. So what does the night before look like? For me, (laughs) getting up early isn't the hardest thing in the world. Like I can do the 4.30 a.m. runs. 
The hard part for me is the night before <laughs> and figuring that out because just like so many adults, especially now with distance learning, which has kind of upended so many people's schedules. Obviously, it's the summertime right now, but, you know, shoot, this past spring, like, I craved quiet, alone time, adult time. Like, it was like, I, I've never craved anything in my life the way I craved it adult time this past spring. So, you know, with, with those things that come up, and it's just like, all right, I don't want to go to bed at 9 o'clock. Like, yeah. I just want to be awake to be me for a little bit here without like the constant daddy, daddy, daddy. Yeah. How do you balance that, that, that feeling <laughs> with the idea of like, I still got to wake up. Like I better get to bed. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I usually try to make sure I'm in bed no later than 10, 10 PM, like 10 PM. I'm like, I have to be asleep. Um, so I try to get my kids down. You know, we do our bath time and everything like that at seven 30 and from there, I just kind of hope that they go to sleep. And usually they do. You know, they they want their quiet time without me. So they will go in the room and shut the door and relax. And then I just kind of like lay on my bed. So I don't know. Maybe I just kind of got lucky with my kids. I don't know. Because <laughs> I mean, some nights they are wild and crazy. And my husband, that's where he's like a big help here. Be like, okay, I'm going to get the kids. You go relax upstairs. I'll be like, okay. But other nights, they, for the most part, they're just be like, they're, they lay down on their own whenever they're ready. And usually they're asleep by no later than 830. Oh man, God love you. I could never do that. <laughs> Go to bed when you want move. Like I, I think I'm just way too paranoid, like for like the downside. I'm like, I'll just, I just, I need to cap the downside here. And it's just like, even if it makes me very frustrated, I'm just like, no, it's bedtime and it's bedtime now. Yeah. No, they, um, Cause for them, um, they just naturally just go down. So I'm like, okay. And we have our nights where, you know, they get really hyper and crazy. Or if my husband gets home early, um, they go wild and they'll be up, but he, he whenever they are hyper like that, he really steps in and helps out. And he's like, Hey, I know you need a break. Cause I've been at work all day. Just go upstairs, relax and here, get them down. And we'll have our little time, talk about our day and stuff like that. And then I go to sleep. Right. So you mentioned you were in the Marines and it was, as, as I alluded to earlier, your husband is a recruiter for the Marines. And you mentioned that in a year or so, you guys are going to be heading out and, and having a new home. What's that like for you? Just kind of the, the moving around uh, and, and knowing full well that, you know, a year from now, you'll, you'll potentially be living in a new place and just trying to plan around that sort of stuff. It's a little nerve wracking. I won't lie. Um, so before we came here, we were in Okinawa, Japan. So we knew we were coming back because the military, the Marines specifically, they're like, hey, you got to either be recruiting or drill instructor. And he got recruiting. So <laughs> and we knew we were coming to the States and they said Chicago. I cried because I didn't I don't know anybody in the Midwest. I knew nothing about the Chicago area. <laughs> and he's from American Samoa, so he didn't know anybody either. So it was kind of like we're going into this blind. <laughs> and we flew straight from Japan straight to here to get our house and everything like that. So I was trying to like Google everything, like what are neighborhoods like? I want a neighborhood where I can run in it. <laughs> like it, It's nerve wracking. And even now, like we don't know where we're going yet, but... 
it's like, okay, what's the next place going to be like? How's the running community? What, what areas can I run? Where can I run? I think for me, whenever I'm looking up houses and stuff, I'm like, okay, do they have sidewalks? Is there a park within like a couple miles that I can run to and let the kids play? Stuff like that. That's very important for me. So did you have a newborn last time you moved? Yes. He Well, he was about six months. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I can't even imagine that flight with a six-month-old going from Japan to Chicago. <laughs> he slept, so it's it was good. Oh, He's, that's great. Yeah, and our dog was under the plane, too. So, Oh, my God. Poor dog. Poor dog. <laughs> um, so, all right. So, with, you know, the, the moving stuff is, is obviously a big part. Um in terms of just kind of setting up a situation for your family, you know, you, you obviously take a lot of pride in what you're doing as an athlete and setting up a schedule and one that not only works for you, but for your kids as well, knowing that as a military family, like you're, you're going to be moving you know, pretty consistently for however long your husband stays in. What's that mean for you in just terms of trying to create a family bond that maybe needs to be even stronger than someone who's not enlisted because, you know, you're going to be, you're going to keep moving around. And, you know, the idea of community might mean something different for your family than it would say for a family that isn't in the military. Yeah. So for us, you know, like I think, and what kind of creates like the family bond, I think for us and being tight, it's like, besides like knowing the areas we're going to be in, it's, so when we go back to like military towns and stuff, we usually know people and it's, I, I say this all the time, but a lot of my military friends are family for me. And I think that's like, what's kind of helped me and T- my husband, TJ, um, just having like those like friendships and, you know, we know that we're seeing a lot of these friends again and it, it's hard for my kids, I think. Um, and I try to like remind them like, Hey, you're special. I know moving sucks. And I know as they get older, it's going to get harder for them. So I try to like do things like, okay, let's go explore this area. What's something that you like that you want to see? So for my daughter, she wanted to go to the aquarium here. So, you know, we took her to the aquarium and she loves uh, she loves Chicago. She loves the big buildings. <laughs> Anytime we take the train down there to the city, she loves it. And, you know, my son, he's still, like, exploring stuff. But, you know, as he gets older, you, I'll figure out things that we can do that makes him feel special. And we try to do, like, family activities. I mean, before the pandemic, we were trying to do, like, family activities to get us out and exploring the area that we're in. And, um, I know when we first moved here, we were doing a lot. We were like, okay, let's let's go to this place. Let's go to the Legoland Discovery for the kids and have this time for ourselves. And so I, I think it's just kind of like, okay, we know we move. We just got to make sure that we keep the kids feeling special. And I think it helps them feel relaxed when they see us relax. Like, okay, mommy and daddy's having fun. And when we chose our houses, I was like, okay, Pony, do you like this house? Like, she kind of got her input whenever we chose this house. I was like, do you want this to be your room? And she's like, yeah, I want this one and stuff like that. Just trying to, like, make them feel like they're part of it, I guess. 
So is your daughter going to be in kindergarten in, in the in the fall? Yeah, she is. So how, what's that look like for you guys? Because I know where we are with our school system and trying to figure it out. Like my daughter will be going into third grade. My son will be in kindergarten and, you know, trying to figure out, all right, like how many days a week will he be going? How many days a week will she be going? And, and it's potentially a different amount of days because they kind of view him as like basically the how our town is doing it is and similar to some of the other towns in Rhode Island that they're looking at like transition years differently than non-transition years. So like kindergarten would look be different than first grade, whereas first grade might be like only two or three days a week in the beginning. Kindergarten would be four days a week. How's it going for you guys and trying to figure this whole process out with your, with your oldest? They sent us a survey and was like, okay, how will you feel if your kid goes on this day and this day and how will they feel how would you feel about them riding the bus? How do you feel about them wearing masks? But they haven't really said anything. And I'm like, okay, school's supposed to start in like a month. <laughs> what are we going to be doing? So I I really don't know what my our school district is planning to do. Hopefully they announce that soon. Um, I've been personally looking into maybe homeschooling just because I re- we don't really know much about what's going on with this virus. And I don't want to risk it. So I'd rather homeschool than have her go. But I know she's like, mommy, I want to go to school. So it's like, I don't know. It's it's a hard balance trying to figure out what I want to do for her. Yeah, that's tough, right? And especially like you make that choice. You Like for a lot of school systems, you can't just change middle of the year. Yeah. And like that's kind of what it seems like when a potential vaccine is going to come out. And you're like, all right, then we're still homeschooling. I don't know. Like, it's this whole thing is so wild. Like, I, I don't know any, I don't know any parent who's like feeling 100 percent on this stuff. And even for us, like we've gone through it once with our oldest one, and even with our little guy now who who just turned five in April, we're just kind of like, how's it going to work? And and you know, how is he going to adjust? And is it going to be weird when like he's going to school and she's not going to school? <laughs> like yeah. His oldest, you know, he's gonna like he's gonna flip the first time that happens. <laughs> And she's like, oh, I'm I'm not going to school today. Yeah, so she'll still be learning from home, but he's not going to be able to grasp that fact. He's just going to see like he's going to school and she's and she, at home pro- and probably in, in his imagination, probably playing like on an iPad the whole time or whatever. Yeah. So that's what we're trying to like figure out what's going on with that. They haven't, like I said, they sent us a survey and I was like, you know, as long as they're keeping it clean, maybe. But I also know kids are very touchy filly and spread germs like wildfire. So I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm comfortable yet. How like I have to see what they're going to say and kind of make a decision from there. All right. How about you? What is your running schedule look like for the rest of 2020 you've already talked about some of the adaptations you made recently to different things that you're working on what about the uh, the fall and early winter so um like i said the fall i'm going to be doing my 50k i um that's going to be interesting in the winter usually i'm too cold to go outside so i'm like eh, that's usually like my time where i really kind of dip down in my mileage and stuff. So, cause I don't want to do it all on the treadmill and <laughs> Chicago's not very warm in the winter. <laughs> so, um, I haven't decided if I'm going to do anything special or anything like that. Um, I do try to, I do plan to try to get at least 1000 miles this year. That would be pretty great. Um, but other than that, 
just kind of the winter will just be like, oh, I'll just run my usual four days a week and call it a day. So you got a bunch of things going on, right? You do the Peloton occasionally. You have yoga. You do run you know, roughly 25 miles a week or so. How do you plan out your schedule or do you work with someone? So um, I have a high school coach. He, you know, anytime I have questions, he answers me right away. Um, and from there, because anything over <laughs> five days a week, I'm like, nope, shut it down. I don't like it. I like to have my four days a week, like four days a week. And then I, I try to make one day like mandatory, not do anything like no yoga, <laughs> no nothing. I just lay down, relax and all that. So for me, four days a week is just it. And he helps me with my speed work. Um, cause he, he's like, okay, this is your strength. This is your weakness. And I think that really helps <laughs> if I could afford like, you know, paying someone that's got that, like a whole lot of knowledge, that would be great. But for the most part, he's helped me a lot in the last year. He introduced me a lot to the run walk um, method, which I use. Um, he's, he's helped me a lot through the last year. So that was, that's awesome. Pretty much <laughs> like free services. Thank you, sir. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, Brandy, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've wanted to have you on for a while. Also, Hey, before we get going, congrats on the whole thing with, uh, with Nathan, what was going on with that? Oh man. So that's so awesome. Um, <laughs> so, you know, as I said on my post, I have been a huge fan of them for years. Um, and one day they followed me and was like, Hey, how would you feel about a free vest? And I was like, okay. And then we're like, Oh, we're going to sing you a couple more things. I was like, Oh, okay. Like I wasn't expecting much. I knew like I was getting a, a one vest, but they sent me, um, <laughs> they sent me three total. And I was like, Oh, whoa, this is great. Gracious. And, um, then eventually I was like, Hey, do you guys, um, you know, the ambassador program, what's that like? And I got to talk to Roberto and <laughs> he was really nice. And he explained it to me. I got to talk to him last week and, um, there's a lot of benefits. We just got to wait for this pandemic to be done. So that's going to be exciting. I can't wait to really wreak those. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, Brandy, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's always a blast to uh, to see what's going on with you. You're such an engaging person. If someone wants to learn more about what's going on in your life, where's the best place for them to go? Uh, either Instagram, Brandy the Runner, or Twitter, Brandy the Runner. Those are the two platforms that I think I use the most. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Brandy, thank you so much for coming on the show. My goodness, this was so much fun. As always, if you like this episode, and why wouldn't you? Brandy's great. Go check her out on Twitter and on Instagram. Also, big shout outs to our sponsors for today's episode. That's Prevenex and Four Sigmatic. I love these health food companies. I just do. They they mean a lot to me in my life, not simply because they sponsored the show, but because I use them on a daily basis. Uh, I talked about the Lion's Mane coffee during the intro, but I love so many Four Sigmatic products, and you're going to want to check them out. Uh, they go onto foursigmatic.com. Same thing, Prevenex.com. I use five different Prevenex supplements every single day, and I've been buying them now for a shoot. We're coming up on a year this fall. 
And I believe in them. I believe them for used them for four months before they even sponsored the show. So uh, that's all you got to know about that. Thank you so much for listening. I cannot wait to tell you about a new project that's going to be coming out in two weeks over here on the Rambling Runner podcast. I just I'm elated. I just cannot wait for you to know about it. That's not going to be today. It will happen very soon. And believe me, I'll make a lot of noise about it. And I'm pretty sure you're going to like it. So with all of that being said, thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of In Post Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.